0: Hey there, this is Float On, the podcast that gives you guidance and insight in seeing more beauty along the river ride that is life. You can't go back, you can only learn and move forward. I'm your host, Dahlia Jean. Let's do this thing. So here we are, guys. It's a brand new year wondering how you are all feeling. I'm not really too sure, you know, it's sort of that strange moment where you're like, wow, 2020 is gone already. That was sort of a time warp on all honesty. Not really sure how we're in 2021 right now, but we are. And so we're going to make the best of it, right? So the biggest question is like, really, how are we feeling? You know? Give yourself give yourself the acknowledgement that 2020 was sort of strange and it's okay to feel that way about it. We don't always have to be super optimistic, but I think it's important to understand that you've got to learn something from it. There's got to be something that you can do. Um, you know, for me... I thought that after this most challenging year, it was not what I had planned at all. I remember, I remember being at work teaching, and literally in our meeting, uh, we thought it was going to be just like, eh, you know, maybe a few days off or something. And then as we were sitting in the meeting, the governor was on the news saying that he was going to shut down schools in Ohio for like two and a half weeks or something. And I just remember, like, feeling very surreal about it, kind of like, oh, my gosh, is the world ending or something? Like, I don't know. It was just a really strange feeling. And we all kind of were just looking at each other, not really knowing what to say, realizing that we actually didn't know what was going to happen from where we were in that moment, like, packing up our stuff and, like, not knowing, like, are we coming back or what's happening but since then you know it's been what nine months that was in March and since then I feel like it's been sort of a you know trial of experiencing life in a different kind of a way and it's been important for me to reflect on what I've gotten out of this you know aside from all of the stress and grief and we'll talk about that here in a minute but Aside from that, like, well, what did I get out of it? You know, first thing is working from home is something I think we've all sort of fantasized about from time to time. And it was interesting doing that. You know, I'm still doing that for most days out of the week. So more time at home was kind of nice. Like I can do my laundry during my lunch or, you know, go for a walk around the block or sweep or mop the floors or do something so the household chores aren't all just waiting for me after I get home from work, which was, it's kind of nice, you know? The other thing I I realized that I got out of this year was we adopted a kitten. Her name is Carmela. She's very, very sweet. Uh, we adopted her in May, and I've been able to watch her grow on a daily basis from being this little two-pound baby that we brought home to a wonderful young lady who's now about nine months old and she's just got so much character and she's so engaged with all of us and anyone who comes over, you know, granted it's, you know, been quarantine time. We don't have company really at all, but whenever anyone has ever been here, it's just been really fun to see her interact with guests and she's got a really good personality. And I think that being home during this time and raising her that way where there's constant noise and chaos going on in the house. It's really kind of just taught her that like this is how life is, you know, it's not a quiet place and and there's always stuff going on. So that's been huge for me just realizing like wow, it was really good timing, you know, we adopted her and having all this time at home with her. And I also feel like it deepened my relationships like with my son being with him and having to kind of talk him through a lot of the feelings that he's felt being a middle schooler during this pandemic, I can't even imagine, you know, and I'm pretty upfront with him about that. Like he gets down about things and communicates his feelings with me. And I'm so grateful that we have that relationship where he feels like he can talk to me about that stuff. And I've been upfront with him. Like, I don't know what it's like being a middle schooler during a pandemic. That's crazy talk. I can't even imagine but I've tried to do my best just to acknowledge his feelings and make him feel heard and even talk to him about some of my own feelings and worries, you know, so that he can see that, like, wow, he's not alone in, in some of these questions that we've all had. And also, Doug and I are both working from home, and I feel that we've had to communicate more as partners and you know be considerate of each other's time and space and we're also going through this journey of parenting not really having to break from it we don't really do much or go anywhere we've been really good about the quarantining and staying home and just trying to stay out of situations where maybe it's not necessary so the alone time has dwindled a bit and it's just been a lot you know And then I also feel like it's challenged my other relationships in life. Like some of my friends who, you know, I maybe thought were close friends, are they close friends? You know, do I talk to them as often or, you know, now that we're not like meeting out places, what do those friendships look like? And, you know, what, what are they for both of us? Not just me, you know, like, is it serving me, but is it serving both of us? And I think that's important. So with all these questions comes this really weird feeling of what I'm viewing as grief. And some of you might think like, oh, wow, that's, that's a huge leap. But if you can, if you can wrap your head around the fact that this has been quite traumatic for all of us, really, it has been. And, just realize that trauma is going to create the process of grief in, in many ways. And if you can start to regard this past nine months to a year as sort of a loss of some sort and an opportunity for us to grow, it really gives it a different kind of a light, you know, and it's an opportunity for you to look at things a little differently. I know this term, uh, what is it like pandemic or COVID fatigue, I think is what they're calling it. And, you know, yes, I, I, I feel it too. You know, like, when is this going to end? When are we going to get back to normal? When, when can I go do my normal stuff? When can I see my friends? I want to, you know, have, have people over or whatever. The holidays just passed and we're all sitting here trying to modify our lives for the safety of ourselves and our families. And, it's tough. I'm not going to say it's right or wrong. I, I do think it's the right thing to do, but it's just hard. And, you know, we treasure these memories that we make with our families and the times that we have together. And in some ways it's it's time that's been lost and it's okay to feel grief from that. If you look up the different kinds of grief the different forms of grief. You know, you've got your stages of grief which sort of happen and I guess you could apply them to this, but there's also acute grief and permanent grief. And I think that if you can sort of assess yourself and decide where you are in in this experience, then it's going to help you with curbing it and getting past it. So, really There's kind of this acute grief, which is like a less permanent thing. And maybe there's times where you can see positives intermingled along with the challenges. And then there's the permanent grief, which is when you're feeling quite hopeless. Maybe you feel extremely alone. Almost like if you truly feel like you say like, oh, things are never going to get better and you actually believe that, that's permanent grief. So depending on where you are on that spectrum between acute grief and permanent grief, You're going to be able to kind of assess your needs a little bit more and just know that, you know, acute grief is something where you're going to be able to see those positives and you can start picking them out. Where permanent grief, it's quite involved and either type of grief, I want you to know that it's advisable for you to talk to somebody. I mean, yes, you can call your friends or whatever, but, you know, professionals, counselors and things, they're going to have the tools to help guide you toward the light at the end of the tunnel. But the question is, well what can you do at home to curb grief and begin to heal and get past these things? And there are some things that you can do that are like really simple things. One of the things you can do is maintain your health. When I say that, I'm not just referring to like one part of your health. I'm I'm thinking like your whole health. Nutrition is huge. What you put into your body is what you're going to get out. That saying you are what you eat. Trust me, I can I can attest to that 100%, and I'm going to actually talk a little bit more about that before the end of this episode, but it's so true. Physical activity is another one. It's a huge stress reliever. It gets your blood moving. It does all kinds of good stuff for your body, and it also ties into, you know, the nutrition and your sleep, which is the third part of maintaining your health. So your physical activity can actually help you sleep better. So if you're having trouble sleeping... Ask yourself, am I getting 30 minutes of activity, physical activity a day? And if you're not, that could be a large indicator of the quality of your sleep. Um, so doing those things and maintaining your whole health and kind of just, you know, treating your body with more respect is going to help curb grief. You're going to feel better. You're going to have a better outlook on things. It's super important. Another thing you can do to help curb grief is find meaning and honor your feelings. So what do I mean by that? If we're looking at the whole COVID experience here, finding meaning, I just did that for you guys with my life. You know, like, what did you get out of it? What do you feel like? There's a lot of stuff that's challenging in this time. And trust me, I know I'm not trying to, you know, minimize anything. People have lost family members and friends Um, You know, I even have some extended family members who, you know, have lost their lives. So I understand. But if you can look at your life and in somewhere, somehow, find meaning in something. Another thing that I feel like for me in my life, I've had more time at home. And it's really given me that opportunity to find the clear vision of what I really want for my life. You know, I've been more focused on my own health. And doing the things that I want to do. I started my master's degree during this pandemic. Because I realized I want I want more for myself. And I know that I'm more of a doer than some people. You know, I, I know that. People tell me that. And I've accepted it. That I have less struggle when it comes to like, hey, I want to do that thing. And I just go do it. Some people have more trouble with that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you can find some meaning in your life some things that you want, it's going to help. It's going to help a lot with curbing that, that grief of what the heck we're going through right now and honoring your feelings. And what this means is just like if you're sad, it's okay to be sad. You don't need to talk yourself out of it. You don't need to convince yourself that there's reasons why you shouldn't feel that way. The more dismissive you are with your own feelings, the more you're going to cycle back through them because you're not processing them. So find the meaning in your experience and honor your feelings. The last thing you can do, and there's there's tons of stuff you can do, but these are just the big ones that I feel are like really important, is communicating your needs. Everybody grieves differently. And the more clear you are with the people you care about, who are close to you, who spend time with you, who live with you, whoever they are, the better everyone is going to feel. You have to communicate your needs. You know, don't bottle it up. Don't think that you should just be fine getting through this. There's a, this is a big deal. This is something that has not happened for a hundred, over a hundred years. And there's a good chance that it might not ever happen again. I know there's a lot of stuff floating around in the news, but the reality is that a worldwide pandemic isn't something that's going to just keep happening over and over and over again all the time. It's just not how it works guys. Okay. So try to breathe out, figure out what you need on any level, whether it's Physical needs, emotional needs, professional needs, personal needs, relationship needs, whatever it is, you got to figure that out. And then you need to communicate those needs to your family, okay? Or your friends or whoever. They're going to feel more clear about helping you, and then you can return that favor. It's important. You can learn more about grief. I have a, a linked resource in in my show notes from psychology today about grief and these, this way to kind of regard grief and decide where you are and how to, how to get past it. But if you're feeling like this is just a tough, tough time, you don't know what to do. You might be grieving and it's okay. It's okay to work through that. The sooner you can admit that to yourself, the better off you're going to be. But here we are. Let's look ahead to 2021, right? And figure out what the heck's going to happen. We're looking ahead. There's a lot of uncertainty. A lot of people in the New Year set resolutions. It's a pretty common habit. What's your resolution? Oh, what's yours? What are you going to do? Oh my God, here's what I'm going to do. People post on, oh, I'm posting this here to keep myself accountable. Well, here's my opinion. Resolutions, they suck. They totally suck. I hate resolutions, and here's why I say that. And I've learned a lot the past couple years about bettering myself, making progress, learning new things, just generally progressing in life. And I can tell you that there's some little tricks you can do to have a better experience when it comes to your, quote, resolutions. I choose not to call them that. They are goals. And there's actually a difference, uh, so if you can just decide for yourself, you know what? I forget the resolutions. Those are those are for chumps. I'm gonna I'm gonna set some goals for myself. So here's the difference, and this is just a basic thing. Now there obviously there's a, there's exceptions to this. Like, can you set a resolution that resembles more of a goal? Of course you can. But in their base structure, resolutions are different from goals in in this one important way. Resolutions are usually based on an all or nothing approach. So for example, you'll say, I, I'm going to do this from now on. Here I am. It's the first day of 2021. And from this point on, I'm doing this, whatever it is. Maybe you're going to walk for 30 minutes a day, or you're going to do 50 jumping jacks. Or you're going to, I don't know, floss every day, right? Something super basic. Or a resolution is that you won't do something anymore. So a pretty common one would be like, I'm quitting smoking, right? I'm not a smoker. I'm just giving you an example, but it's something that you say, you know what, I'm not going to do that anymore. Here I am, it's 2021, and the calendar is my source of motivation. The clock ticks over to 12.01 a.m. on 2021, January 1st, and that's all you need. The reality is, though, that's, that's tough. That's a tough way to go. Goals are so much better. There's so much more embracing of who we are as people We can come from, you know, different walks of life, different levels of motivation, different quirks, different challenges, and we can push through goals we can set goals that fit us where a resolution is just so rigid. So goals kind of push us to look at life in a more problem and solution type of a way. Like what's something that I don't like about my life or myself or whatever? And what is the solution that I want to get to, Right. So now we're sort of form-fitting our personal challenges to who we actually are and what we want. That's what a goal does. It helps us see the bigger picture and it really helps us see what matters to us truly because goal, you're not going to set a goal that's like abrasive and disturbs your life. Goals are like something you can fit into your day-to-day and you're like, you know what, this is a goal, I'm going to try and do this. Setting goals gives you a better view of yourself. Generally, they elevate your self-esteem and you're looking to improve, but it's with meaning. It's not just this thing, like I said, where you're just using the calendar to kind of give you this rigid deadline of oh, 2021. This is time. Now, to be fair, I've seen people make resolutions and succeed, but for me personally, they are not the greatest. And I think for a lot of people, resolutions are just too abrasive what's a, what's a goal example versus a resolution example. We'll use the example of smoking. It's such a huge challenge for people. You know, I grew up with my grandmother. She smoked her whole life and she struggled to quit until the end. She really, you know, she got so sick she couldn't smoke anymore. But did she try to quit? Yeah. She failed a bunch of times and she would talk to me about how hard that was for her. That she knew she was addicted to smoking and how much of a challenge it was to quit. And it was just this mountain that she always saw in a way that she just felt she couldn't climb. And I kind of just fell for her, you know. It it taught me as a child, obviously, like, I'm never going to smoke cigarettes. But it's tough. It's so hard to, to admit that as an adult, I think. And I think it was big of her to talk to me about her feelings in that way because I learned a lot. So if you say, you know, we'll use the example of smoking. I'm going to quit smoking. It's the new year. That's my resolution. Well, the difference would be if if you set a goal, you could say, you know what? Each week I'm going to cut my cigarette intake by one. So, for example, if you smoke, let's say you smoke eight cigarettes a day on average. Well, then the first week, smoke seven cigarettes a day. And then cut it down to six. And then the next week, five. And keep going. Keep going. And the reason why I say keep going is because you're going to get to the point where you maybe are smoking one cigarette a day. And that decrease in your nicotine intake is gradual, it's doable, it's approachable. And you're also setting a goal that has deadlines. You're saying each week I'm cutting it down one. You're not saying I'm going cold turkey. Now, I know a lot of people say cold turkey is the only way to go with smoking. Honestly, I can't speak on that because I've never been a smoker. But if that's true, and this is a horrible example, then touche, but you could use this mentality with anything. It could be whatever you're trying to do. Maybe you're trying to walk five miles. Okay, well, the first week, walk one mile or walk as far as you can, see how far you can go. And then the next week, walk two, walk three times a week and say, each week, I'm going to go another mile. You will be surprised how much progress you make. So I'm just giving you examples here, guys. Like I said, I don't know if cold turkey is the way to go. It sounds really hard, but maybe it's true. I know with sugar, it's true. I've found that quitting sugar is easier if you just go cold turkey. Sugar is horrible. It is so hard to stop. But if you go cold turkey, it does work. So maybe that's how smoking is. I don't know. My point is goals are better than resolutions. Really, you you know, if you look at a failure in the structure of a goal, it's kind of just like a minor setback. Whereas if you've got a resolution that you flopped on, you're going to feel like a failure yourself. So now you're embodying that, like I screwed it up. Nope. Didn't, didn't keep up with my resolution. Didn't work out. But if you set goals for yourself and you're like, Ooh, didn't walk that extra, you know, I didn't, I didn't walk three times this week. Next week, I got to do better. Next week I got to do better. So you're not just, you're not just muddling down into a puddle of self pity and Deciding that you're a piece of trash and you can't do this, you got to be fair with yourself. An example for me personally is publishing my children's book. I worked really hard on publishing my first children's book, and I have more planned. I mentioned this in the first episode, I think, but it's called "Be Still, Love Nature," and it's it's a little book that I wrote. It's a story that I wrote from my soul as a teacher. As a mom, seeing kids grow up without nature in their lives, the way that I had it, you know, I was in the woods every day, pretty much. And I just feel like times have changed. It's, it's not just the kids, you know, it's not just that they want to sit inside all the time. Times have changed. As a parent, I don't feel comfortable letting my kid wander off into the woods down the street, just telling him to be back by dark. That's not a thing. Okay. Maybe when they're teenagers or something, but when you've got little kids, that's not really a thing that we feel safe doing in this world anymore. And obviously to each his own, but personally not something I felt comfortable with. So how do we get our kids to have this relationship with nature? It's been a challenge. It's been a focused effort to take my son to the park with me and say, this is what you do. This is what you do when you're in nature. You take it in. You listen to the sounds. You don't put your earbuds in. You you listen. There is sound around you. Hear it. Feel it. Feel the air. Breathe it in. Take deep breaths. Pick up the leaf. Feel it in your hand. The stone. The water. Put your feet in the creek. Stuff like that. So I wrote this book. It was just something I've been kind of feeling for a while and I wanted to do it. I couldn't decide how I wanted to write it. Like first person. Do I want to have a character? whatever. And one night I was just laying in bed with my little journal, my idea book where I just dump stuff. And I'm telling you, it came out in about an hour and I couldn't believe it. I was like, holy crap. I just wrote my children's book. And then I remember I took it to work and I let an English teacher read it. And he was like, this is sweet. What are you waiting for? Do it now. And I just was kind of overwhelmed. I I couldn't believe that I actually wrote a children's book. And the strange thing is, immediately when I wrote it, I could see in my eye in my head how I wanted to illustrate it. So that was really cool. So I let a few other friends read it, and it just became this thing where everyone was like you have to do this. And I felt it too. I agreed. I was like, "You're right. I do. I do have to do this." So I've been in the art business, you know, making art and selling art and stuff for a while but a book I was pretty clueless guys not going to lie so what did I do I had to I had to approach this in some way I knew it was going to be a journey so I started to kind of read into like what does it take to publish a book should I go to a publisher should I self publish it you know what does the illustration process look like what is what do i want my illustration process to look like because above anything above writing or whatever i'm i am an artist i'm a visionary i see things i that's how i explain things i have to draw them out i'm just a visual person so i had my own ideas for how i wanted to illustrate it and i did it i did it differently than i've ever seen a children's book done i illustrated all of the pages so that they connect into a panoramic view and I actually sell like a coloring book set on my website where you can color and assemble this in this way so that it's one panoramic view and it's pretty sweet I love it and I'm very proud of it but the whole publishing part was something I had no idea what I was going to do like the ISBN numbers I had no idea where to get those You know, all the information that you need if you you want your book listed in a library. How do you do that? And just the process of like, what do you, how do you do this? How do you publish? How do you actually publish a book? So it's legit. And, you know, I had to find my way. So I started listening to podcasts about publishing. There's free knowledge everywhere, guys. I keep telling you, YouTube, podcasts, people share knowledge. That's what I'm doing with you right now, right? people want to help other people. People who are passionate about something, they they want to share it with you. And you just have to know where to look. It's not going to come to you. You know, someone's not going to come knocking on my door saying, hey, heard you have a children's book that you want to publish. Let me help you out. It's not really a thing. So yeah, I mean, ultimately, You know, you have to pick and choose the knowledge that you want to go out and get. You have to reach for it yourself. You have to do the research, you know, spend the time. But like I said, podcasts are so great because you can learn while you're doing other things. Like I would learn while I was outside walking. Like I go out, I go for walks sometimes five miles. I love walking out in nature, hiking around, doing stuff like that, seeing the neighborhood or doing your laundry. Put your earbuds in, you know, fold your clothes and learn. Do you could do anything, cook. I would listen while I was cooking or commuting to work or anything really. And so I'm a huge podcast fan. And if you're not using podcasts to learn, you're missing out. It's free knowledge. Yes, I know not every su- episode is going to apply to you directly and be super useful, but I'm telling you, you'd be surprised how there are like snippets, little nuggets in where you look of knowledge that you can use. That you'd be surprised. You're like, oh, dang. Even if you pull one little thing out of 20, 30 minute podcast, you're, it's worth it. What else were you doing? Driving to work, listening to music that you don't really, really love. You're kind of sick of or whatever. Give yourself a break and do some learning. So publishing my book was quite a journey, but like I said, I set small goals for myself. You know, I said, I'm going to figure out how to publish. Then I'm going to decide if I want to self-publish Or if I want to go with a publisher, and I had to do some soul searching on that, like what do I really, really want out of this experience? And then it was revising the book, you know, reaching out to a friend who is an English teacher, and had her. I I told her we go way back. I said you do this for me, just look it over. You know, it's pretty good for the most part. I just want your input. I'll send you a copy when they're published. She was like, oh my gosh, thank you. You know. So, it really doesn't take much. You'd be surprised if you have people out there that you know who have knowledge that you don't have, or you feel like they have more than you. Be humble, reach out to people and tell them, I respect you. I respect you for your knowledge and your understanding on this topic. I appreciate your opinion and I want your opinion. And you would be surprised how many people are willing to go out of their way to help you if you just tell them how you really feel about it. If you walk around saying, Oh, I don't need anyone, I know everything. No one's going to help you with anything. I'm going to tell you right now because they know it's not worth it. It's not worth their time. So you got to stay humble and view a big goal as a series of small goals. After I did the revising, I was actually already doing the illustrating and sort of documenting that process. And I've got some videos I'll post in the show notes of the process. It's a YouTube video that I have a time lapse. So trust me, you won't be sitting there for like months and months watching a video. It's, it's like a few minutes long, but it's pretty cool. And you'll be able to see how I did it, where it's kind of panoramic. One painting sort of leads into the next. And it's really, really neat. So I'm super proud of that. And ultimately, I want you to think about what your goals are. You know, what are your goals for the year? Don't worry about resolutions. And if you're the type that you're like, dude, I never do this. I'm thinking about it. Okay, well, just pick one. Pick one thing that you want to do better. You can always set another one once you conquer that first one. But if you can just pick a little bit of free time out of your day to learn, I call it downtime 101, where you spend your free time incorporating ways that you can learn something new that you want to do to better yourself. Like I said, podcasts, YouTube videos. When you're laying, you know, you're trying to gear down for the night. You just want to relax. Go on. I go on YouTube all the time. You should see how many times I'm sitting there learning about new things. Doug does it now too. He's all about <laughs> learning things online because he's seen me do it for long enough. So I feel that it's a good habit. I know some people don't do cell phones in the bedroom, and I totally respect that. Um, but I think for us, it's a, and it's it's an enriching experience because we are so excited about the things that we're learning that we share with each other. And it's really an enriching, it's almost like a bonding experience, you know, like I'll watch his videos sometimes what he's learning about and he'll watch mine with me. And it's like time that we spend together. So you make, you know, make of it what you will. It can be, it can be a cool experience for you. It can be worthwhile or it can be, you know, something that you just aren't into that much. But when you're setting goals for yourself, okay, if you pick a goal that you're going to set for yourself for the new year, it's important not to be too hard on yourself if you don't succeed at first, especially if you're new to goal setting. Goal setting is a habit. It's a process. It's a learning process. It teaches you about yourself, about your inner motivation, and, you know, your hangups. What is, what's holding you back? Some habits are harder to change than others, and it's not as simple as you think. An example for me is like, you know, I've spent a few years and I'll talk about this in another episode. I'll really dive into it. But my journey through my relationship with food has been long. I'm just going to say that. And, you know, I've had to learn about intuitive eating and stress eating. But what I learned through it because I knew I was a stress eater is that it actually wasn't just stress from my life. It was actually stress from feeling like crap from the food I was eating So I didn't have any direction on what food made me feel good. I was eating things that were upsetting my digestive system. And once I healed my gut, I figured out what was my problem. And I started avoiding those foods. I actually felt better from eating. So eating became a source of enjoyment for me. And I was able to consume with more intention and more presentness because I was, you know, in a better place in general. So my stress eating actually sort of, it was like a reverse snowball effect. Like it just generally kind of started to run out a little bit. And I do it barely ever anymore because I don't associate food with this thing where I'm stressed. And it's just amazing how I I realized that I was stressing about food making me feel like crap. And that was, that was a large part of it. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm stressed about my life. I'm stressed about this. I'm stressed about work. I'm stressed about whatever. I was stressing about stressing and I was eating because of it. So that's an example of just like, you know, your habits may not just be the surface level of whatever it is. There's like a root to it and you have to really dig down deep. Sometimes that takes time and sometimes it takes you failing. Sometimes you have to set a goal and screw up. And then reflect on that and say, like, what did I do? Where did I fail? Where did I fall short? And how can I do better the next time? So you've got to be patient with yourself on this, guys. Please, please, please do not beat yourself up if you screw up. okay? because it's really just about learning. You know, it's kind of like a haircut. You get it. And if it's not your favorite, well, it grows out. Then you get another one. Right. So don't stress too much. Kind of a weird analogy now that I think about it, but it is true, you know, or like I tell my students, you know, don't think of screwing up as like a big deal. It's like burnt toast. You know, if you put toast in a toaster and it's turned on too high and you don't realize it, it comes out burnt. Well, unless it's your last piece of bread and you were like dying for that piece of toast, generally you just put a new piece in, right? It's not a huge deal. It's like, oh, well, shoot. Yeah, I'm wasting food here, but... Let's put a new piece in and try it. So think of a goal. Failing a goal is burnt toast. Don't beat yourself up over it. You don't let that burnt toast ruin your whole day. Don't let a broken goal ruin your whole day either. Just reflect. Try to learn from it and move on. Set that set that same goal again and see if you can do it the next time. Kick it. Really get it the next time and show them you got me the first time. I'm gonna get you the next time. So on that note, guys, I hope this helps you feel better about grief. With this past year of 2020 and feeling recharged and ready to take on 2021 and do something, you know, make something of yourself. Don't let it be a time warp of misery. Make 21 better for yourself. I can't tell you where we're going to be, you know, with by the end of 2021. I hope we're back to normal in some ways, but... There's really no, there's really no way to guarantee it. So I don't want to say anything on that note, but I do want you to guarantee that you are going to do something for yourself, something that you want to do for you. Set a goal, see what you can do, get your rest, reflect often, and use the hindsight that you gain from past experiences to guide you for a better future. That's so important. So before I let you guys go, I know I spoke about my children's book for a little while titled Be Still, Love Nature. And I want to give you guys a special offer for listening to my podcast and being so awesome. So if you go on my website at floatonpodcast.com or com. You can actually get my book for 30% off by using the code FLOATON30 at checkout. So you'll be able to find it. You can shop all and find my book. And then when you add it to your cart, you can add a discount code use the code FLOATON30 for 30% off. The cool thing about ordering the book from my site too is that I will sign it and dedicate it to someone. So when you order, it'll ask you like, who do you want to dedicate this book to? So even if you're just ordering it for your child or whoever, I'll sign the book and address it to that person in particular. Uh, And I usually write a little note in there too. So Um, it's super personal. It's a great gift. I've even had adults cry over this book because they say it brings back so many memories. So it's a book for really any age and it's beautiful. The other thing is if you dabble around my website, you will find YouTube videos. There's actually a YouTube audio animation that I made that includes all the illustrations. So you can view the entire story for free before you purchase it. But again, discount code floaton 30 for 30% off your purchase when you buy my book on my website at daliajean.com. You can also get there by going to floatonpodcast.com and then just going to the main menu because it's all my parent website. I just want to relay a heartfelt thank you through the sound waves from my soul to yours. I really appreciate your time and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you loved what you heard, please leave me a review and share this episode with someone that you feel may benefit. For more inspiration and inspiration, head over to floatonpodcast.com and add us on social media. Thanks again, guys.